Welcome to The Stretch. I'm Dr. John Mark Harrison, lead pastor at First Baptist Concord in Knoxville, Tennessee. In this leadership podcast, I have conversations about growing as a leader and living an inspiring life. When we stretch, we grow. So let's grow. Hey, everybody. Excited about The Stretch today. We've got Mayor Glenn Jacobs with us. Glenn, thanks for joining us, and we're excited about this time today. Thanks, John Mark. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey, uh, we talk many times and so thankful for your leadership here, but I think it's a, it's helpful for all of us as we just uh, hear your story of coming to faith in Christ. So why don't you take a minute and talk about your relationship with the Lord and, and, uh, and how the Lord's brought you here. I grew up Catholic. My dad was Catholic. My mom was Presbyterian. And I would always go to with dad. Yeah. to mass. Uh, we lived out in the country and actually the closest Catholic church was probably half an hour away. Um, so it wasn't like there was a strong Catholic church community mm-hmm. around me. Um, and everything I say here for my Catholic friends, okay, please, this is just, this is just my experience, um, that, that I had, uh, in, in that environment. Uh, there's, there are some difference between Catholic faith, of course, in the Protestant faith. And one of the major differences is in the Catholic faith, you don't, God is not personal, mm-hmm. okay? And, and Jesus is not personal. That relationship is not personal. They actually have an intermediary who is the priest, mm-hmm. and that's the, the, basically the link between the individual and the Lord. And also... Uh, at least when I was growing up, and this, of course, is true in some Presbyterian churches, I'm sorry, some Protestant churches as well, uh, it was a lot of, man, God's just up there, and he's waiting for you to mess up, and he's going to send you to hell no matter what yeah. you do. Right. And everything was a sin. Yeah. And frankly, it really turned me off mm. um, because as a little kid, it, it also scared me because yeah. within the Catholic Church, there's a lot of mystery. There's... Mm. Um, a lot of talk about suffering uh, and all those different variables. Uh, Not much talk about the love of Jesus Christ, okay? (laughs) Um, Again, that's my perspective, maybe skewed by my youth and my memories. Uh, But it it did, it turned turned me off uh, to religion. Um, And I spent many years just trying to figure things out. Uh, I consider myself kind of a rational person. and I need uh, proof of of things. I mean, I'm, I'm open-minded about concepts, but I also like to know that I'm not just putting blind faith into something. Actually, the Bible says that that's really what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when we talk about faith, um, you have faith, but you also, you know, that there are uh, evidence that right. your faith is justified. Absolutely. Well, God so, gave us our rational mind. Right, exactly. Um, and probably, actually... Um, I read uh, The Case of Christ by Lee Strobel, right? Yeah. And as I'm reading that, uh, and he's making the case that there's more historical evidence uh, from the literature for Jesus Christ and the life of Christ than there is for anything else, like vast amounts more than everything else that we consider historical fact that was written by ancient scholars. Uh, there's even evidence within Jewish uh, Jewish writings. There's evidence within Roman like tax collection and those sort of things. Um, then there, there's also 
evidence that Christ was who he said he was. Okay. Cause some people will say, well, you know, Jesus Christ, you know, this dude lived mm-hmm. and you know, but he was just a guy. Well, that's not the case. Uh, if you look at the writings from, uh, at the time from the, the Jewish people, um, they called, they called Christ a witch. Mm-hmm. Okay. They said, they said he performed miracles, but it was the devil. Here's the thing though. They said he performed miracles, right? Right. That's historical fact. Yeah. Okay. They never denied that he did that. They just didn't say that it was because he was God on earth. Yeah. They said it was because he was working for the other guy. Right. Um, then if you think about it, you have the eyewitness accounts of, of all the disciples. Okay. Now we're looking back in history now and we think you have this, uh, this movement, which now has millions of people involved in it. That wasn't the case mm-hmm. with the disciples. Right. Okay. Why would they have gone out and said the things that they said, proclaimed the gospel, spread the word, when they were going to be tortured to death. Right. The only way that would have happened is if they really believed what they saw. And of yeah. course, he gets into a lot more things. And then, right. you know, so I started reading the, some of the apologist stuff, and I was like, okay, there is actual, there is historical basis for this, um, you know, and it just makes sense. And when you look at the world, too, mm-hmm. I mean... You know, the it's very hard for me to rationally believe that the world in which we live is a matter of just randomness. I right. mean, because that randomness is like the the chances of it happening are like one to the trillionth power. Yeah. It's it's very it's minuscule to the right. point where it's impossible. Right. Um. So that kind of my my rational thought uh, became convinced and. Uh, and I'd already, I'd already, you know, I went to church and I was, um, I guess, you know, I'd already accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, yeah. but I was kind of a queasy Christian, right? Yeah, yeah. And once I really got serious about, I have to convince myself of this, you know, I did. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, you know, I, I believe both on a a spiritual, emotional level, mm-hmm. but also on a rational level. Right. Uh, and for me, it, it does have to be both. both. Right. Um, and then, of course, you may see within just within my own life, um, you know, things that happen the way I believe, the things that I think about, uh, it's very, it is very, you know, centered around the ideas of, of Christ's teaching, you know, that... Um, you know, my, my role and no matter what I do is basically to try to make the world a better place to, um, you know, to help people see the good in the world, uh, to say, understand, you know, uh, that, that there's, you know, what you do here has, has consequences. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you know, your faith in, in Christ and one thing I have a problem with, this might make people mad, um, (laughs) You know, is is Sunday Christians? People go to church, yeah. and they're very pious on Sundays, and the right. rest of the week it's out the window. Right. Um, that doesn't necessarily, you know, mean that I that I judge people, but I do try to take the things that I hear about on Sundays, um, that attitude, and I try to keep that with me mm-hmm. through the rest of the week, right, uh, as much as I possibly can. Um, and I'm also very, I'm very non-judgmental. I mean, yeah. you know, in the right. end, um, 
you know, Jesus, he, he, the only time he got mad in the Bible, I think, is when he drove the money changers out of uh, the temple. That's right. Um, but otherwise, you know, he didn't say, you're going to follow me or else. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And I'm going to take out the sword and I'm going to make you follow me. Yeah. He says, you have to follow me out of your own free will. That's right. And that's basically my philosophy about it, too, is I think the greatest gift that the Lord actually gave us was our free will, was our ability to choose. Yeah. And we have to exercise that in making a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Right. Because if we, I mean, if we're just a bunch of Ottomans and robots and, yeah. you know, um, this is how it goes. None of it makes any sense. None right. of it works. You That's know? right. Um, you know, it's, it's the Father's will that no one would perish. But right. salvation is that gift of God. And right. so you got to receive a gift. Right. But, and yeah, we have to, we have to accept it yeah. is the thing. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it just you know, makes sense all the way around. And that actually plays into my political philosophy, too. Mm. Um, you know, the fact that uh, you know, a, a government which tells you what to do all the time is very bad spiritually because it impedes on our ability to make decisions for ourselves. Sure. Which means that you're actually, it's an affront to, to God. Right. Uh, and you actually see this in the writings of like the founding fathers. Right. When they talk about resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. That's what they're saying is that yes. God gave people free will. Yeah. Role of government is really to maximize that, right. uh, not to impede on our ability to choose because when we impede our ability to choose, that means that we're stepping on the greatest gift that God gave us. That's right. You know, it's, it's interesting to think about like God ordained government and, and you just hit the nail on the head, like God ordained government not to control, but to but sure keep peace and and facilitate community, but right. to to enable people, right, to make much of their lives and the Lord in their life in right. many ways. To maximize our ability, yeah, you know, to exercise that free will that we were given. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. No, that's, um. that's great. That's great. So I, I want to talk more about your background too, because you know. When you became mayor here in Knox County, I mean, you were really a political outsider, but God has always been giving you platforms to accomplish that mission that he sent you on. So, so take us through the journey. Sure. Uh, so, so, you know, you come out of college and you begin to wrestle, which, you know, for us as dudes, like we grew up all, all <laughs> watching that. So you begin to do that. And so take us through that journey of kind of coming into who you believe God's called you to be. And then now how you're using that right. as a politician. It actually begins before I left college. Wow. Uh, because uh, I, I'd played sports all my life when I was a, a little kid. I wanted to play baseball. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of the St. Louis Cardinals and I wanted to play baseball uh, for the Cardinals. I was oh. just, I wasn't a very good baseball player. In fact, <laughs> I was a pathetic baseball player. So, uh, cause I, I was awkward, tall, yeah. gangly, very uncoordinated. Uh, that played into my favor. I started playing basketball. I was pretty good at basketball, earned a scholarship, uh, playing basketball to go to it's Truman state university. Now, um, when I got to college, I hadn't lifted weights in high school. So when I got to college, I started lifting weights yeah. and I just, I blew up. Right. Um, and so when my eligibility was up in basketball, the football coach, it was a division two school. So the football coach, I remember one day he was, he was on the sidelines watching basketball practice. And he finally comes to me. He's like, man, you need to play football, dude. He's like, you weigh 290 pounds on basketball court. <laughs> right. You know, he's like, yeah. you need to come play for me. Um, so I didn't have really any prospects to continue my basketball career. Uh, and I had, I had a, I'd switched majors. So I had, 
I didn't have my degree quite yet. Uh, so I did that. I, I, I started playing football and just my size and playing basketball for all those years, I was naturally a gifted football player. I played right. offensive tackle. Um, and um, yeah, man, I remember, you know, we had uh, scouts coming to the games and I get letters from like the Dallas Cowboys and all this stuff. And I'd never even played a game, dude, you know? And, <laughs> and, and so I'm like, Oh wow, man, I think I might actually be able to play professional football. football right. Yeah. And then uh, the first practice of game week, and this was back when you had to do two a days and all right. that stuff. So yeah. the first practice of game, I got through all the hard stuff and the first practice of game week practice was basically over. We were putting in trick plays. We weren't even going to run sprints because it was a hot, yeah. humid day. Mm -hmm. Didn't even have helmet and shoulder pads on. We're putting in trick plays, right. running a reverse. And uh, my job was to allow the offensive line, uh, the, I'm sorry, the outside linebacker or the defensive end to get around me. Right. And then as the wide receiver's coming back to my side to block him. Right. And when I went to turn, all of a sudden, I just ended up on the ground and didn't know what happened. I tried to stand up and collapsed on the ground again. I tore my ACL wow. and uh, uh, messed up some cartilage in my knee. And now this is 1990. So the medical technology was a little different. <laughs> a little different. Then. Yeah. In fact, I remember about this time that uh, one of our uh, running backs had a knee sprain and he comes in with an MRI mm -hmm. and everybody's like, what's that? And he's like, it's kind of a fancy x-ray, you know? So yeah, I mean, you didn't even have <laughs> no clue. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, I, I had exploratory arthroscopic surgery instead of having an MRI to find out what was wrong. I actually did that. Yeah. I, I didn't have a medical red shirt short, mm -hmm. long story short. So I had to play that year. Right. Um, did, I was of course never had the same uh, athletic ability Right. that I had before. My explosiveness was much diminished. Yep. I ended up going to Chicago Bears camp. Um, they released me after one day. Wow. I mean, I was devastated sure. because all my life I just wanted to play sports. Yeah. And uh, that's, you know, so I, I mean, I was devastated. I remember I was probably actually in a depression mm. for a few weeks mm -hmm. uh, and uh, just kind of thought, wow, I was watching professional wrestling. I was watching WWE on TV with my buddy who was a huge wrestling fan. And he says, man, you should try that sometime. And I was like, yeah, we should try that sometime. <laughs> so that's how that started. And the thing is though, like the moral of that tale really is when you have something extremely bad happen to you. And I mean, that was bad. That's that was for deal. me, that was right. devastating. Right. Um, you don't know what the future holds. You don't know what God's plan is for you. Yeah. And when I look back, man, if you would have told me in the fall of 1990 when I destroyed my knee, mm -hmm. that would be one of the best things that ever happened to me professionally. You're insane. Right. And it was. Wow. Because if I if I don't played in the NFL, you know, I might have made it. I might have played a few years. Right. You know how? Oh yeah. I mean, you know how that like, is, man. Your body. You up. Yeah, your body. You come out. That's a meat grinder. Yep. Um, instead, I had a very successful twenty plus year career in wrestling. Um, traveled came the out, world. Traveled the world. I came out relatively intact. Mm -hmm. I didn't have many injuries. Yeah. Um, and I'm just in probably in, in a much better place than I would have been. Yeah. If. <laughs> my plans 
yeah. to play football yep. had gone through. And then, of course, what the wrestling has also done is it's enabled me to use that as a platform to right. do other things, to, yeah. to get into politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, again, I mean, it really is true. I mean, often you know, we have something devastating happen to us, and we see what's right in front of our face. Mm-hmm. And we don't see that there's, yeah, if we will accept it, that there's a much there's a much bigger picture out there, right? You know, and there God has other plans for us. You know, the scripture says, "Man makes his plans, but the Lord determines his steps." Ain't that the truth? <laughs> and that's, yeah, and like just to sit back and think about it, to think that the Lord would use, you know, wrestling in your life, right? Like the persona of Cain right. in your life to provide you a platform to do incredible things. Right. That's amazing. And so, how would the politics dream begin? I, I'd really just I'd been interested in government. Um, forever yeah. and uh, what was what am I going to do when I'm done wrestling basically and my wife and I had started a business and mm-hmm. um, but I, I'm pretty passionate about the, yeah. the, the stuff I believe uh, and I literally just woke up one day and um, I was like yeah okay so the, you know, the mayor of Knox County was Tim Burchett my yeah. predecessor he's term limited he couldn't run again that's an open seat uh, the uh, mayoral position is actually it's probably the best position in any level of government because yeah. you are um, you're, you're close enough to the people that you 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 still part of your community right um, just because of the number of folks that you represent yeah uh, but you're also able to actually do things mm-hmm. to influence policy to really right. drive projects uh, as a legislator you don't really have that ability because you know you're sitting on a body that has a bunch of other people and you right. have, they have to vote for your thing mm-hmm. uh, as the executive you know you don't make the laws or whatever the ordinances in our case uh, but you you're the one that kind of has the vision and mm-hmm. can put some projects out and, right. and and can carry those things out um, so it's the best position right. in in politics for impacting your community yeah. uh, Former Governor Bill Haslam, who is the uh, mayor of the city of Knoxville, told me that as his favorite job. Bob Corker, who is U.S. Senator, he was Senate, or he was mayor of Chattanooga. He told me that it's yeah. the best job. Yeah, uh, and that's basically what it was. It was just, yeah. man, I, you know, I think I can do this. Yeah. And uh, uh, I've never been afraid not to try something. I've never been afraid to step outside my comfort zone and take a risk, because in you know, in the end. I mean, what do I have to lose other than, yeah. you know, other than some time and right. other stuff? Uh, and, you know, and I, I just, you know, I, I've always felt like even if I fail, you know, it'll be okay. I mean, That's you know, just have to, have to trust that, yeah. you know, that God's going to be, you know, you, you, faithful. You're good. Yeah. That's the yeah. thing, you know, and I think a lot of people, um, they don't want to take risks you know, because they're they're afraid, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to lose everything or this could happen or that could happen. And that's no way to live your life. I mean, right. you know, I'm not saying that people should be irresponsible, but certainly calculated risks are, to me, they're a good thing. Well, and that's, that's a, such an important point because I think that's the difference in a lot of times in somebody that's a leader and somebody that kind of has desires to lead but doesn't know how to lead. I mean, at the end of the day, leadership always involves a step of faith or taking a risk or putting yourself out there. But what would you say to folks that are trying to find their way through that? Like, man, should I, should I take this risk? Should I take this step? Like, 
what would you say to folks who are kind of pondering taking on the mantle of leadership in, it might be in their company. It might be in their home. It might be as a little league ball coach, even, right. You know, do it. <laughs> That's good. Steve Harvey is one of the great American philosophers, man. <laughs> um, have you ever seen his bit that he does after family feud? Um, yeah. His, I've seen it a, just the, a little the bit. jump story. Right. He actually, he actually, uh, wrote a book about the same thing. Um, but he offers the analogy of, you know, God gave us these, these gifts, all right, they're, but they're packed away in a parachute. Yeah. And the only way you can get it to come out is you're standing on top of the cliff and you have to jump mm -hmm. and the parachute's gonna open. Right. You know, but of course you're gonna get scraped and bruised and you're gonna hit the cliff wall and it can look bad for a while. And that's exactly it. Yeah. You know, if you don't do that, mm -hmm. you're never gonna know what your life could yeah. be. Yeah. It's you, know, great. you never know what again, you know, you have you don't you don't know what God's plan is for you because you're afraid to take the step. Right. And yeah, I mean, it's again, you have to weigh it, you know, and I people shouldn't be responsible, but the same token, you know, yeah. I think that a lot of people uh it's not it's not irresponsibility. It's just they're so they're so comfortable where they at, mm. where they're at, and where they're at's not always a good place. Right. But they're so comfortable where they're at that they're afraid to step outside of that. And if you ask me, that's actually yeah. the irresponsible decision. Man, that's good. You know, as a pastor, people ask me all the time, how do I know God's will for my life? And and they'll say it sometimes in code. They're like, Pastor, I'm wondering if God's leading me to do, and they'll say something that's really great. You know, and the sarcastic side of me wants to go, no, it's probably not the Lord that wants you to do something <laughs> that encourages people, that blesses people. You know, it's just like, I mean, if it honors the Lord Jesus, if it's something that it uses a way that he's gifted you, I'm with you. I think you've got to. Yeah. You've got to take that. And I, th I think, I think inherently people just, I mean, you have intuition. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, yeah. you know what to do. Yeah. It's just a matter of. What I find too is that people they're they're really afraid to make a decision, mm -hmm. and when you make a decision, it's literally landing on the beach and burning the boats because so right. you can't go back. Right, um, and that's what I see a lot too is people are just afraid to make that decision. Mm -hmm. And in the end, here's the deal too: once you've made the decision, you know um, it's either going to turn out or it's not. Right, but. Quit second guessing yourself because sure. if you second guess yourself, you're never going to make the decision. Right. And again, like with me and my athletic career, uh, things have a way of actually turning out for the best. Mm -hmm. They really do. Yeah. It's just a matter of you know you you have to pursue it. Right. And if you just say I'm going to sit where I'm at, you're not growing. And and to me, if you're not growing, you're, literally you're dying. Your life right. is dying. Right. You know. So uh, it's make the decision and do it. Yeah, that's great. Well, this, we're coming to the end of our time, and this has been encouraging and helpful. Um, and know that I, I'm incredibly thankful for how you, the things we've talked about today, I mean, you, you live those out. I mean, how you, you're active in our community, and um, I'm, just, I'm just so thankful for how you lead well, each thank and every you. day. I appreciate that, bro. And you may have already answered this question, or you may have already answered it, but I love to know, like, I would love to, all right, when, when Glenn Jacobs is on the last lap of life, right? And you look back over the life you've lived, what would you say, man, I want this to be my legacy? First of all, um, my wife and I are talking about this one day, you know, and she's like, you're never going to stop working. I'm like, I know, <laughs> you know, and that, that's okay. That's right. actually what I want because yeah. uh, I think that I would get bored if I ever, yeah. if I ever stopped doing stuff. 
Um, I don't worry about like a legacy for the outside world. Hmm. What I want to be able to do is be content when I leave this planet that I was a person of integrity. And by integrity, I mean I acted according to yeah. my principles. Right. Uh, and I did things according to my principles. Uh, and, you know, just when, when I stand, when I stand before God, the father, you know, I, I can just say, man, I did the best I could with what you gave me. Right. And, you know, if, if, if we could do that, if all of us could do that, you know, the man, world would be a, a sure great would. place. And, uh, and here's the thing too. Um, he gives us a lot more than we think we, that he does. Yeah. It's just a matter again of, of seizing that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I hope he doesn't say, <laughs> you had so much potential and you blew it all, you know. <laughs> right, right, um, right. But I, I really do. I mean, that that's it. It's just that's great. You know that I can be content that yeah. I did the best I could. I did every bit with that what I had. Man, yeah. that's really good. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate your time and uh, excited about um, all that God has for you as you continue to walk with Him. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate your leadership here at the church and also um, just the impact that you've had on our community. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks for listening to The Stretch. Hope you have a great day. Thank you for joining us for The Stretch Leadership Podcast with Dr. John Mark Harrison. Tune in here each Thursday for new and inspiring content and every Sunday on our YouTube page at FB Concord for worship at 9 and 11 Eastern Time. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for listening.